Hello everybody, it is I, the Great Clements. With me as always, my great co-host, Caro. How you doing? I got promoted to great? Like you? I'm so flattered that you would say that. Yes, whoa, I am whoa, whoa. fantastic and great. I'm sorry, I'm drunk. I'm drunk. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh no. Uh, <laughs> you are starting to make a name for yourself in the wrestling community, that's for sure. Oh gosh. You have a I lot to talk a, about. I, yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> 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 oh man, it's been a while since we did a podcast, um, cause like, the last time we did a podcast, I was in the middle of my final Let's Play, and I wasn't even starting editing Final Fantasy XIV, and now that we're doing this podcast, a whole bunch of stuff has happened, the Let's Plays are over, 14's been uploaded, I'm working on 15 right now, holy moly, it's been a long month or two, however, however long it's been. I think it's been like at least at least two months. I remember we filmed it in September. It was like literally before Deltarune Chapter 2 came out, which we'll get to later. But oh yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to talk about Deltarune damn straight. I've had a lot happen to me too. I switched jobs, so I have a new job now. That's been going well. I went home for Thanksgiving all the way back to Georgia because that's where I'm from. And yeah, it's been, it's been great. I've been caroing. Do you have a food baby inside you? I do. I had so much food. It's weird because Clement has Thanksgiving in October because that's how it is in Canada. Hell yeah. So his Thanksgiving's earlier. But for us Americans, it was on Thursday. So yeah, I am quite full with turkey and pasta and Peruvian salad and all that good stuff. I mean, if I can go on to Thanksgiving, actually, I mean, my October Thanksgiving was wild because I hadn't seen my nephews in such a long time. Because like, ever since the pandemic started... We've been missing out on family get-togethers. We haven't been meeting up at all. But now, we got vaccines, and we're finally getting out and mingling with each other again. And I haven't seen my nephews in two years. And, you know, I don't have kids of my own. I don't know what it's like to raise a child. So, it was a big culture shock to see my nephews, who at one point were, like, up to my belly. You know, they were about as tall as my belly. And now, they're friggin' huge! They're so tall! <laughs> <laughs> My nephews got so much taller since the pandemic started, and I haven't seen wow. them in so long, and it's just like, they it's unrecognizable. It feels like I've moved forward through time, you know? <laughs> yeah, kids grow really fast. It's kind of shocking, like, how much kids can grow in, like, a short amount of time. But yeah, you are accurate with, like, the pandemic. It's just felt like this weird time machine of sorts. Yeah. My nephews really love Kirby Planet Robobot. They love that game. Aww. Love it to death. That's so cute. But they're not impressed that I'm a big shot YouTuber. They ask me if I play like Minecraft or Fortnite, and I'm just like, no, I don't play Minecraft or Fortnite. But I got a, a plaque that shows I have 100,000 subscribers. I, I talk about Final Fantasy. Do you kids play Final <laughs> Fantasy? And they go, no. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, the kids love Minecraft. Like, I think you're obligated at this point, Clement, to just make a Minecraft video. <laughs> for the for the uh, children. Uh, you know, there was a Sonic skin for Minecraft that I could potentially play through. But I'm not, no, I'm done Let's Plays. I'm done Let's Plays. I don't know what video I would do about Minecraft, because I'm not hipping with it. I, I would be... So lame if I were to cover Minecraft. I'd have no idea what I'm talking about, and no one would get it, and everyone would think, you're such a boomer, Clement. You're such an old fossil. What are you doing talking over Minecraft? You don't get it, man. 
<laughs> you should talk over Roblox. The only thing I know about Roblox is that uh, Tommy Tallarico had a big tiff, like a legal tiff with them, because I guess they used his, like, ooh, sound effect. <laughs> oh, sh oh my gosh, I forgot he made the ooh sound. Yeah, that was Tommy Tallarico, wow. and he made a big stink about it. He wasn't just, he was very displeased that that was being used outside of his, outside of things he made it for. So it's like, oh god. Oh gosh. <laughs> The other thing with Roblox that I know about is that uh, my kids love, well, my kids, I mean students, that's cool. So my students love Roblox and like whenever they're playing outside, they'll say, let's play Squid Game, like the Netflix TV show Squid Game. Okay. And like, it's a really violent show. If you haven't seen it, I've seen it. I love it. But at first I was like, wait, what are these kids talking about Squid Game? Like, where are they getting this from? And apparently... Roblox has like a squid game mode. Someone made like a squid game mod. I don't know. But like you play red light, green light in it. So I guess that's where they could be getting it from. But still, I'm just like, huh? Really? See, when that show got popular, I was just like, it's called Splatoon, guys. Call it by <laughs> its actual name, Splatoon. Oh <laughs> Great show if you haven't seen it. So I still got to catch up on a lot of stuff on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kind of currently going through Cowboy Bebop. Not the new live action show but the original 90s anime i'm going through the anime of cowboy bebop where are and, you in the uh, anime right now uh, i just finished the episode where he got blown out the church and that amazing song happened yes mm -hmm. nice <laughs> iconic just amazing i love cowboy bebop like um the original did you know that's also where brain scratch came from as in brain scratch commentaries I do. I do know that, yeah. But uh, I'm going to finish up Cowboy Bebop, and then I might check out the live-action show, but I'm not expecting great things just because, you know, it's live-action, and why watch live-action when you can just watch the anime? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I would like to formally apologize to the great Clement, because for the last three or four years, he has had to hear me babble on and on and on and on nonstop about Kenny Omega. This is true. <laughs> there have been times where I've DM'd him, and I'm like, hey, Clement, look, look what happened with the Bullet Club Civil War storyline, or look, Clement, Kenny's joining AEW, and look, Clement, Kenny was in this match, and this match, did you watch BTE? Did you watch this? <laughs> <laughs> I went to New York City. Well, actually, I was I was gonna go to Full Gear. It was the most recent AEW pay per view, but um, I was gonna go there. But um, Kenny Omega was doing an autograph signing in New York City, so I went to that instead. It was worth it. And yes, I have met Kenny Omega. It is a mouthful and a lot to say, but I have met <laughs> Kenny Omega. It's so impactful. Never thought oh, I'd be saying hold, this hold the phone. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. What's a mouthful? What? I have met Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And? He was so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> he was so nice and sweet and kind and considerate. And he wrestled a five and a half star match the night before, according to Dave Meltzer. Thank you, Wrestling News Observer. Like, he literally wrestled a five and a half star match. Um, the previous night, did media, flew to New York to this autograph signing, and saw every single person in line. So, 
Um, for reference, if you don't follow me on Twitter or anything for that matter, Kenny Omega is basically my favorite wrestler of all time. I like him more than the Young Bucks and John Moxley and Shawn Michaels and John Cena and Bret Hart and the list goes on. So like I've followed this guy for several years. I want to say like 2017. It was it was a little bit after Wrestle Kingdom, but I finally got to meet him and we took a picture together and he hugged me and he was so nice and like he complimented my writing and I almost cried and well, I cried after I left the room, but <laughs> it was it was it was it was awesome. It was wonderful. The big question I want to know: Yes, what does he smell like? Um, flowers. <laughs> okay, he smells like flowers. Any kind of flowers, roses, daisies. You're expecting me to like know flower smells? <laughs> um, Maybe I don't know. I don't know lilacs. I <laughs> just picked. and also did he whisper in your ear and say i'm a big fan of c squared i love watching the great clement all the time (laughs) well he was more so complimenting me like oh caro you're the best (laughs) or you have great writing and i'm like oh thank you so much because um he actually shared one of my features last year and it's a reason why um my content creation is growing a lot so I told him thank you for that, and he was just absolutely nice and sweet about it. And um, I just think that, like, the wrestling industry is so awful. It's gross. There's, like, a lot of bad people in it. And there have been multiple times this year where I've just wanted to give up on it. But people like Kenny just, like, give me some sort of hope in the industry. Like, okay, so I don't want to go into full details about this, but the con organization who put this meet and greet together is really awful. This is nothing on the wrestler's part, but um, it was just the con organizers. And they actually let people in two hours late. And there were wrestlers that had to leave at the designated end time of this event. But Kenny stayed until every single person got to meet him. That's nice. Which was easily like an hour or so after that meet and greet ended. He he's amazing. I I love him. As Clement knows already. <laughs> I'm sure I'll hear more about it later tonight. Later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, after this podcast is done, you're going to be talking about another thing that Omega's done on Twitter or whatever. I guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee it. Name one time I DM'd you about what he did on Twitter. Cuz yesterday he shaved his handlebar mustache and you let me know about it. <laughs> That was yesterday. That just happened. (laughs) Name one other time. It can't be that frequent. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But uh, I'm really proud of you because you've been doing a lot of awesome, like, interview stuff for Wrestle In and everything. Like, when you visited the ECW arena and you, like, interviewed all those people there, like, ah, I I saw all the clips on Twitter and it was just like, look at her go. Look at her do her thing. You're doing great. Aww. That was such a wild experience because I had seen the ECW arena. Um, for reference, it's an arena in Philadelphia. But um, I'd seen the ECW arena in like YouTube clips. I did a big piece on Brian Pillman earlier this year. And one of the big vocal points of um, that entire piece was the ECW arena. Because that's where he cut um, one of his most infamous promos. So to actually just be in the building and just interviewing wrestlers and just you know, interacting with their characters was Mm -hmm. just 
it was such a mind-blowing experience. Like, I, I started writing. I never intended to, like, you know, get this far, I suppose. But things just started happening. I'm just going to have to keep rolling with it. And it's 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 been wonderful. I don't think I'm deserving of this, but I, I guess I'll keep I guess I'll keep going. You deserve it. <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> you deserve it. I'm really honored and privileged that I like I get to have opportunities like this, and hopefully, um, I just have always wanted to do wrestling content creation, but just never got the I guess like. I never really took the leap of faith towards it. So it's it's my blowing. It's my blowing. Absolutely. Well, either way, it's good stuff and everyone should check out Wrestle In. Yes. For Wrestle some In. fantastic interviews and or editorials from our dear our dear Caro here on C Squared. Yeah, there's actually a podcast coming up I did with one of the end members. We got tons of end of the year stuff coming up on our site. I'm doing my yearly um, Kenny Omega retrospective piece that should be out sometime in December. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all had to pick um, a wrestler to do an end of the year retrospective on. I chose Omega, so, you know, <laughs> I'm just doing that. And the other thing I wanted to mention was um, for years I've had this um, poster of the Elite. So the Elite is a stable in wrestling. So it's a group of people. I have a poster of them. So it's Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Adam Page. And I have all of their signatures and all of their photo ops. So I'm happy that's finally completed because it took me forever to get all that done. I didn't think I'd be able to get it done during the pandemic, but... Things happened, everyone stayed safe, and it's all, it's all good. It's all complete. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Exciting to hear, exciting to hear. But, you know, this channel is predominantly about video games, and a lot of stuff's happened in the video game world. Uh, specifically, we got the final character for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. The final DLC character has finally been out for a while now, and that's right, you guessed it. Lester the Unlikely. Lester the Unlikely was was released for Smash no, no, Brothers. No, 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 it was Knuckles. Well, you gotta have Knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, the final character was Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Holy shit, Disney actually let them use the character. Good God. And uh, everyone rejoiced. Everyone was crying and tearing up at the Sora reveal. And I was just like, that's not Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> it's so wild because like as you know comment i got into kingdom hearts last year and now i love kingdom hearts so much yeah and it's one of my favorite gaming franchises actually i just love the characters and how wacky the story gets in the world it's like i it's great but so like the more I delved into Kingdom Hearts lore and the games, the more I was like, hey, you know what? Sora and Smash, you know, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. I'd be for it. I'd be for Sora getting into Smash. And it happened. He's in Smash. <laughs> <laughs> and I know there are like tons of fans who've been like Kingdom Hearts fans since forever, like literally since like the 2000s who had been wanting Sora in Smash for years. So I can't even imagine how emotional that must have been for them sakurai clarified that uh, they couldn't reveal this before when smash wii u for 3ds was out smash 4 um but at the top of the fighter's ballot the most requested fighter ever of all time 
was Sora, and they didn't put Sora in the last game, but they finally capped off this game with him entering the fray. So, you know, the most requested character. Everybody wants Sora, and everybody was happy to see him here. For the most part, at least I haven't heard any dissenting opinions other than people, like, wanting their particular picks. I know a lot of people were like, where's Master Chief? And I was like, where's Crash Bandicoot? And, uh, you know. <laughs> Again, I'm not, like, bothered or upset that Crash Bandicoot didn't make it in. I just think it would have been a great opportunity. But I got everybody I could possibly want with Smash Brothers. I got my Mega Man. I got my Sonic. I got my Simon Belmont. There's nobody in this game that I really could complain about the roster's the biggest it's ever been in any smash game it will never be topped it will never be eclipsed this is the best that smash will ever be and i hate to put such a downer opinion on whatever next smash brothers game is going to come out but i'm sorry it will not live up to smash brothers ultimate's shadow okay oh oh absolutely not like <clears throat> sora is such a great last addition to smash and you are right, like, even if your favorite character didn't get into Smash, there's so many options, it's ridiculous, like, there's some, there's like, one character, there has to be a character that you have to vibe with. Like, I was a little spoiled with my picks, because all my picks got in, but, like, it's just, it's mind-blowing, this roster is wild, because you have Joker, you have Sonic, you have Mega Man, you have Mario, you have, like, uh, Banjo and Kazooie. Ryu, Banjo Kazooie. Bayonetta. Solid Snake. Kazuya. Like, oh my gosh, this roster's so loaded. Like, if they even try to make another Smash Brothers, I don't even know how they're going to top this one. You could port this one forever and ever and ever, and I'd be happy. Like, I, that's the thing. It feels like it would be a nightmare to port over to future consoles because, like, of all the licensing that, that, that they'd have to go through in order to do that. Because it's like, you're not just licensing out characters from all these different companies. You're also licensing out, like music and whatnot and just thinking about all the bullshit that sakurai had to go through just to get more final fantasy 7 music when they brought over sephiroth and yep. stuff it's like oh my god i couldn't imagine how you port this game to the future nintendo console and the console after that and the console after that this is going to be like a, a high market item after like a decade or two like people are going to be thinking about smash brothers ultimate for a long 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 time because i get the feeling it's going to be stuck on switch I'd love to be surprised, I'd love to be proven wrong, but I get the feeling it's going to remain on Nintendo Switch just because of all the licensing that has to go with this thing, but, uh... What do you even do with Smash Brothers? I think you'd have to, like, completely change the gameplay from this point onwards in order to, like, shake it up and make something unique and worth talking about. I don't know. Exactly, because, like, they went so all out on this one that I'm not sure what the next entry would do or how many characters would be in it i'm sure sakurai wants to take a rest you know after all this and i don't blame him like he deserves like a vacation and a fully funded retirement for all he's had to go through <laughs> like i i genuinely do not know how you could even come up with a title that would surpass or even match this one yeah because sora in smash was just the last bang that this game needed to solidify the fact that it really is a celebration of gaming Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, curiosity, which of the DLC characters do you think was the most fun to play? Ooh, this is actually an interesting question. We're considering DLC Pack 1 as well, right? 
Yeah, from Joker, actually, from Piranha Plant onwards. <laughs> we can't forget the greatest yes. reveal in Smash Brothers history. The most requested character besides Sora, fucking Piranha Plant. Everybody wanted that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember watching that presentation with Clement, and when Piranha Plant was revealed, we were just laughing our asses off. I was like, oh my god, they did it. <laughs> I wanted Sakurai to take more chances like that. I wanted him to pick more stupid choices that like nobody would have asking for, you know? Yeah. Like if if the if the final Smash character was Goomba, I'd just be laughing my ass off at that, you know? <laughs> Goomba hops in. <laughs> I wanted the last Smash character to be um a Pokemon from Jenny. <laughs> cause, cause, cause Smash would they've gotten Pokemon from across all the generations um, maybe except Gen 5 I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head but like I was I was going realistic into this into that presentation and thinking about okay maybe they're gonna do a Pokemon but answer your question about the DLC um, Joker is definitely one of them I actually played Joker quite a bit Alrighty. I think Joker's super fun and I also like Banjo-Kazooie they're my number one pick I put them on the Smash ballot back in 2015, and I'm really happy that they lived up to their potential. Nice. And Sora was also really fun. I loved playing as Sora. Yeah, he was really fun. I, mm-hmm. actually, I actually enjoyed him quite a bit. But uh, my favorite DLC character, the one I found the most fun, I didn't expect this, was Sephiroth. Ooh. I, I love his nuclear bomb attack, like where he holds the B button and he shoots out this... He builds up this energy where you can shoot like a... A faraway red bomb that's... It's alright. He holds it a little bit, and it's a medium blue bomb that does a lot of damage, but if you really hold on to it a long, long time and nobody interrupts you, boo! Anything that's near you just dies. (laughs) (laughs) I love how big his sword is. I love how you can, like, hit people with, like, these spinning things that'll hit them after a while. It's just like, ah, Sephiroth was a lot of fun for me. I don't know why. Do you love playing him shirtless? No, I am not a thirsty, thirsty person, okay? I do not need my my anime villains to be shirtless. I want them fully clothed like a Puritan, okay? Well, I do, so. <laughs> I'm not playing Sephiroth for sexual gratification, all right? That's oh. what King K. Rule is for. <laughs> oh my god, Sephiroth looked so great. Like Final Fantasy VII remake, though, Clement can tell you how many times he needed to bonk my head, and I was looking at all the FF Seven remake characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that means I'm gonna get into that when I actually cover that video. But it's true. Like every male character in Seven Remake just got so much sex appeal, and yeah. they are flirting, <laughs> flirting hardcore. Sephiroth is flirting with Cloud, Rufus. Rufus went from just being, like, the bad generic Shinra villain to just, like, I'm fucking sexy and you know it, alright? Like, you- every woman wants to fuck me and I'm aware of that. Mm. I'm Rufus. That means I own you. Mm. Stop! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. God, every woman thirsts over Rufus in Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's crazy! It's it's all in the voice actor. It's all in the voice actor. My friend, my friend Catherine and I were just DMing each other after we saw Rufus, but that is another story. For another <laughs> time. 
<laughs> no, no, please go on. Go on. I'm sure my viewers would love to know. <laughs> we need details, ladies. Details. <laughs> but uh, I think the one thing I, I'm going to miss about Smash Brothers now that it's finally over, now that this ultimate train is, is no longer rolling, the train has stopped. We're not getting any more me costumes. We're not getting any more stages. We're not getting any more characters. Smash Ultimate coverage is finally over. And uh, I loved just all of the trailers. I loved every single trailer they ever made for Smash Brothers. Ever since uh, Smash Wii U, like starting with like Mega Man onwards, the trailers have been so damn exciting. And they've always been like one thing I've always looked forward to with a Nintendo Direct. And... Knowing that whatever next direct comes out is probably not going to focus on Smash Brothers, there is a little bit of a little bit of me that's like ah, because like that was always one of the most exciting things about all of these directs and all of these presentations was just seeing how funny the trailer was going to be and how much fan service was actually going to be in the trailer, you know? Like this era of um, Smash. I like I like kind of bundling like the Wii U and the Switch era just because they were just so close to each other and they had very similar reveal trailers. Like, you know the little swish at the beginning of each new character reveal? Like, that's gonna be so iconic years from now. Oh yeah. Well, it is iconic already. But like years from now, like people are gonna be remembering that little screen effect and just being like, ah, smash the good old days. Mm-hmm. Because that's like that's like high school to me. That's late high school to me and college. So I hold those memories very dear. And close to my heart. I loved watching reaction videos of Smash Brothers oh, like yeah. reveals. Mm-hmm. Like even even when Smash Ultimate was just revealed, period, where they revealed that every fighter that was ever in a previous Smash Brothers game was coming back. Like just seeing like everyone collectively react to like Snake and oh, yeah. y- mm-hmm. and Young Link and Wolf. And all of these characters that they've wanted to come back but didn't know if they were coming back with the new Smash Brothers. But then when they revealed that everybody was coming back, some of the reactions were just so over the top and so excited because everyone was just like, everyone, everyone, like every, everyone is coming back. How is that possible? Ah, the ice climbers. Oh, you know. <laughs> But, like, I, I just love, like, the little things. Like, even as early as, um, people might not remember this, but in Super Smash Bros. Melee, there's a video in the game itself that showcases all of the default characters. And even that video is so tightly edited with a lot of fun in-jokes. And this was, like, in 2002. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I used to watch that all the time on my game. Yeah. Like, they always, like, framed the characters in, like, funny ways and did funny things with them where, like, Bowser's trying to give Peach a a present and then Peach throws it back at him and he walks away all pissed off and stuff. (laughs) That's in Smash Melee. But, like, even with the new trailers for, like, Mii costumes and stuff, there's so much reverence. I loved the Mii costumes for Final Fantasy VII where they had um, Tifa, Barret, and Aerith because... Every single frame of those costumes had an in-joke for fans of Final Fantasy VII, where if you played Final Fantasy VII, you understood exactly what joke they were trying to tell, or, but if you never played Final Fantasy VII, you have no idea that there's actually a joke going on. Yeah. Where, for example, when they show off Aerith's costume, uh, Cloud is, like, pushing a barrel on top of an enemy that's going for the Aerith, and that's supposed to be, like, the church scene yeah. in Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Uh, there's this one part where Tifa beats up both uh, Cloud and King K. Rule 
in the Paper Mario stage, and that's supposed to be the moment in the Gold Saucer where she beats up Cloud and the evil Dragon King because Cloud didn't take the play all that seriously, so she kicks the shit out of him. That's something that happens in the actual Final Fantasy VII. I love that so much. Yeah. And, like, when I see things like that, and you see stuff in the Sonic games, or in the Sonic Spirits and the Mega Man Spirits and all these... Like, the entire World of Light spirit system, I still gush about the Roll Casket one, because the Roll Casket spirit is you fighting Isabelle in a red cardigan, and she's assisted by a white Diddy Con, which is supposed to be Data, and (laughs) the only item in that match is the Pikmin rocket, because the Pikmin rocket is a rocket that goes up, 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 and falls all the way back down. (laughs) (laughs) which is if you know anything about Mega Man legends it's hilarious while heartbreaking at the exact same time i remember one that you told me about um with metal gear solid though i have not played i have not played you know which one i'm talking about right i know because everyone freaked out about this one because like i have not played metal gear solid i want to play it but when you told yeah. me about that spirit, and I was like, oh, wait, why does it have, like, y- you know, you know, you know, like, what was it, like, a timer or, like, HP or whatever for a bomb? He was holding on to a bomb. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, oh, my God, they reference that. <laughs> Rated E for everyone. <laughs> Pause from Metal Gear Solid Five, Ground Zeroes, and uh, Peace Walker. Uh, I- Something happens in Ground Zeroes that is uh, pretty dark, pretty fucked up, pretty messed up, and the spirit acknowledged it in their cutesy Smash Brothers way, and I was like, oh my god. (laughs) No! Sakurai, no! What are you doing? That's horrible. (laughs) You know the people- you know the people who who were, like, making those, like, spirit battles were having such a great time with that. I can't imagine, like- just throwing your video game knowledge into something and just making as many funny and creative references as possible. Oh my god, I would yeah. want I would want that job. Like I love when you're fighting Cream in the, the Sonic Spirits, Cream the Rabbit. Uh, she's Isabel with a tiny Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> like the tiny Squirtle's supposed to be uh, Ch- Cheese the Chow, so that's pretty funny. It's just, it's it's such a labor of love for every franchise. Like, as a Mega Man fan, as a Sonic fan, as a Final Fantasy fan, I get every single joke and reference that they're doing, but if I was more of a Fire Emblem fan, more of a, 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 a Kirby fan, more of whatever a fan of whatever franchise they're doing a spirit of, I'm sure there'd be so many jokes and in things that I'm missing out on that Smash absolutely tapped into, which makes you think that, like, the people who make this game get these games they absolutely understand the games that they are showcasing and it's such a labor of love for sure which trailer was your favorite even from like smash wii u onwards which reveal trailer maybe it wasn't your favorite character but which was your favorite reveal trailer the one that made you go whoa oh my gosh um for me I'm gonna be biased, and I could say Banjo, but I'm gonna bring up another trailer that I liked a lot. I love the Dragon Quest trailer, because you 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 start with the hero, like, riding in on the horse, because, you know, that's Dragon Quest, and then Eleven comes out. So then people were thinking, like, okay, are we just getting Eleven? And suddenly you see, like, the protagonist from Eight, 
And then um, the adventure music from Dragon Quest Three plays in the background. It's all orchestral. And then you see Erdrick zoom in. And it's, oh my god, I love the framing of that trailer. Yeah. Get goosebumps watching it. Good shit. Good shit. What about you? I would definitely have to say Joker. Yeah. Because I remember I remember we were watching the Game Awards and we just thought this was like Persona on Switch. Like some yeah. kind of spinoff. Some kind of new Persona thing. And then when he gets that envelope and he turns it around, everybody in the room shuts the fuck up and they're like, wait a minute, whoa! Because <laughs> that was the first DLC character. That was the first time we ever got hint of a DLC character. They didn't do the swing! They didn't do the yeah. cut beforehand. So we just thought it was Persona. Some of us were half paying attention, but once that envelope turns around, oh, it's got our attention now. What the fuck? Yeah, because... Personas like, in Smash? I remember... You might remember Clement, but when we were we were in a Discord call together, and I was leaving in thirty minutes to go pick up Smash Ultimate because I was going to the midnight release, and literally get around eleven thirty. That's when they flipped the envelope. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh my god, he's in Smash. That's insane. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. So I'm definitely gonna miss all of that, and. uh yeah, it's just one of the greatest games ever. I, I think Super Smash Brothers, you know, not everyone's a fighting game fan. I'm sure there's some people watching or listening to this podcast who don't even like Smash Brothers, but you got to admit, it's one of Nintendo's biggest franchises, if not the biggest franchise. It is insanity, that game. And uh, I don't know if we'll ever have a game like it again, although God knows they are trying to replicate it a lot right now oh yeah because like have you seen the, uh, nickelodeon the dc smash yeah i was just gonna say there's the nickelodeon smash game there's also the dc smash game so that formula at least will be around for a while they made fucking ultra instinct shaggy canon <laughs> memes are real i'm now half expecting um the aew video game that might come out in 2022 or 2023 to just be another smash clone <laughs> could you imagine like see that'd be novel yeah like imagine like selecting the young bucks and fighting against i don't know adam page like in a smash stage <laughs> i would like the final smashes yeah. are just their finishers so it's like you get yeah. the smash ball and it's one winged angel and then they go flying off the <laughs> stage oh my god kenny if you're listening to this wink wink and we know you are because you love the great Clement, and you just won't admit it in public. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, this will be like the last time we talk about Smash for a long, long time, so I just wanted to gush about it, because uh, it's always a special event. Always a special event. Always excited for it. Still going to be playing it. Uh, me and my friends have never tired of playing Smash Brothers. Nope. I mean, there were always two games me and my friends played all the time in high school. One of them was Halo. And the other was Super Smash Bros. Melee. And ever since, we've been playing Brawl, we've been playing Wii U, we've been playing Ultimate. Just keep playing it every chance we get. Anytime we get together, it's like Mario Party and Smash. Mario Party and Smash. All day, every day. And, uh, yeah. Halo and Melee? Halo and Melee. Damn, you're showing your age. That's when I was in high school. <laughs> you want to know what I played when I was in high school? What'd uh, you play? Smash Wii U and Minecraft. 
then you must have been really happy when Steve got into Smash Brothers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I was so happy that I crashed Twitter. It wasn't Minecraft Steve that crashed Twitter. It was me. <laughs> but yeah, Smash Brothers Ultimate, end of an era. Rest up, Sakurai. You've done a great job. You can retire now. I'm sure he won't, but you can retire. Please retire. <laughs> Please retire. Don't listen to those stinky gamer boys who are like, I want my third DLC pass. When's my third DLC pass? No, 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 no. King, you rest. You sleep and rest with your pets and just ignore those trolls. You did good, pig. You did good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just saw Babe recently. Um, speaking of animals that talk, what about the new update to Animal Crossing New Horizons, Caro? I love it so much. Oh my gosh. Like, um, I pick up my Switch occasionally and play Animal Crossing, at least before this update came out. And... I love all the changes they've done. I wish they could have done it, like, earlier. It feels like some of these are a little bit, like, too late. But, um, regardless, I'm glad that they put it in. I've mostly been playing the, um, Happy Home Paradise DLC. Because I loved Happy Home Designer on 3DS. So I was happy they made, um, a very similar game mode for the Switch. And... I don't know about you, Clement, but I love room decorating games. Like, I love designing and covering the walls whatever I want, and I've made some really fun rooms. I used to play, like, Flash games online when I was a kid, where you could, like, design your own, like, room or do makeover stuff. So, like, a lot of the games on, like, Barbie.com, I, I like, dug. So, um, Animal Crossing Happy Home Paradise, like, just flashes me back to those good old days. So that's why I played a lot. Ever since I grew up on games like The Sims, I don't know if you ever played The Sims, but... That's a game where you can build your own house and just redecorate it however you want, create the walls and everything however you want, and I am not a creative guy when it comes to house design. You know what I always do with The Sims or Animal Crossing or anything like that? I just replicate my actual home. <laughs> <laughs> I just replicate places that I actually lived in and try to recreate that, and that's my idea of interior design because i'm just not that creative when it comes to i can't make a exquisite beautiful house you know mm -hmm. my house in real life is a friggin trash bag you know it's just it's just consoles and wires hanging all over the place it's uneven couches and and not the greatest wallpaper <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing amazing and uh with animal crossing you know especially with that game where everything's usually now, with the update, it's a little more diverse, but back in the day, it was just like you had big open squares, and you just decorated the squares. That's all you did. Yeah. So it's like, I'll put the couch here, and I'll put the TV there, and uh, a table? I don't know. <laughs> you know. A bed. But now, you can put, like, walls in the square. You can actually put walls that separate portions of the room. So I like that. I like that update. Yeah. It's especially handy for a lot of the Happy Home Paradise stuff because, like, now I can make large rooms and make them, like, apartment-styled. So, like, I can add a partition and, like, that's the kitchen and that's the living room and bathroom's over there. So, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I always feel weird because it's like, I want to recreate my bathroom the way it is in real life where it's a small room. 
But at the same time, there's this itch in me that like has to pay off Tom Nook so he can upgrade every single room in my house because otherwise I don't feel like I've completed Animal Crossing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. I'm 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 not spending my time wisely in Animal Crossing if I haven't fully upgraded my house. But then I don't have a bathroom. I just have a big ass rich man's bathroom with like a <laughs> tiny bathtub and so much space to do whatever you want then it's not really a bathroom anymore but you know so it's more so like the struggle of um replicating your house but also at the same time knowing that for you personally you would have to upgrade everything you know to feel complete yeah yeah well i have the bells if you need them Oh, how much, how rich are you, Kara? How rich are you? I have over 300 million bells in my account. What? <laughs> Do you remember the, the crown glitch? <laughs> oh, remind me. I, I, it's so coming before, back to me. So before they patched it out, um, there is a glitch you could do where if you swapped if you like, you, you have to like have two players to do this. So you get a cardboard box or something and you have to swish it around and while also picking up the royal crown. So my friend got the royal crown and we like kept doing the glitch for hours and hours and hours and we sold all the crowns. I feel like a bad Animal Crossing player for saying that. <laughs> it was the beginning of the pandemic. Life was tough. It's still tough, but like <laughs> you know 300 million bells and now i have a problem because i have too many bells so there's nothing you can't afford <laughs> i know <laughs> so i feel like there's there's some kind of real life stock market manipulation you could do right now in order to become an actual billionaire i wish but everyone's <laughs> wanting the money to go to space in real life but yeah um yeah, that's how much I have. Um, I don't know. I've never considered myself like a quote-unquote true Animal Crossing player. Just between you and me, I time travel. <gasps> <laughs> so, some players might find that scandalous. Oh my god. But... <laughs> but I, I, I've done it to get buildings. <laughs> I don't know how many <laughs> Animal Crossing players or fans I've enraged in the comments, but that is how I play that Animal That is not Crossing. the authentic Animal Crossing <laughs> experience, lady. I know. <laughs> the joy of Animal Crossing is you live your life in, in real time, damn it. Look, I have a full-time job. I write. I crochet. I play 14. I've got enough on my plate already. <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> If you like to play Animal Crossing authentically, that's cool with you. Like, I have no problem with that. Like, everyone should play it however they want to play it. If they want to time travel, they, will, they can time travel. If they want to play it day by day, they can play it day by day. So, yeah. You know, when you said, like, I'm not a real Animal Crossing fan, I thought you were going to say that, like, you didn't really enjoy the series up until whichever entry. Because that's what I, I actually am like that. Really? I, I actually didn't really like the original Animal Crossing all that much. I didn't care about the GameCube version. And I know, because, like, people say, like, the character stuff, like, the writing is better in those games, and there's kind of a nostalgic charm to those older games, but to me, there's just so little to do in the original Animal Crossing that I found it kind of underwhelming compared to something like The Sims or compared to any kind of simulation game that I was just sort of like, it's okay, you know? 
Like in high school, I did not get the hype over Animal Crossing because it was like, you can dig for fossils and you can fish and you can talk to NPCs who repeat the same thing over and over again. And it's like, okay, I guess, whatever. But it wasn't until New Leaf where they started introducing things like being able to customize where all the benches and stuff yeah. would go and like being a mayor and having ordinances and decorating your own costume so you can look like Dr. Eggman or whatever. <laughs> Like, that's when the game really started to pick up for me, and that's when they added, like, online multiplayer, and I'm like, okay, okay, now I get it. Now Animal Crossing's really awesome. But, uh, didn't really get into the original GameCube game. Couldn't get into it. I did not own the original GameCube game, but my cousin did. So that's how I got into Animal Crossing. Um, I played, oh god, which one's the, which one's the one on the Wii? Is that City Folk? City Folk. Yes, so my friend had City Folk on her Wii, so I would go over to her house all the time in high school before New Leaf came out and play City Folk. And then when I got my 3DS um, in 2014, the first game that I got for it was Animal Crossing um, New Leaf. And yeah, now I'm here with New Horizon, my lovely town of golden love. Points to people listening who get that <laughs> reference. I wonder what it's in reference to. What do you think it's in reference to? I know what it's in reference to. I just wonder what the audience thinks it's in reference to. <laughs> but, uh, and again, I think another reason I might not have enjoyed Animal Crossing at the time was because uh, I was in high school and I was a very impatient guy who wanted to play more exciting things. And now that I'm older and I'm living a much slower life than I was as a kid, maybe I would appreciate it more if I went back to it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I have not played a lot of the new update because I got to it a little bit too late. I was focusing on Final Fantasy XIV uh, for the majority of this month. And the only thing I've really did, I've really done is set up an ordinance with Isabel so that finally my shops will be open late at night now. Yep. Thank God. That's what I did. I have so many flowers on my island that I think it looks pretty enough. Because in New Leaf, what I did was I did the, um, whatever the pretty ordinance is called. But, um... I've been more of a night owl in um, later years, and, you know, I want my shops to um, close later, so I also did the night owl ordinance in um, New Horizons. I mean, like, aside from, like, making sure that, like, overgrown grass doesn't show up, I don't really know what the beauty thing is supposed to do otherwise, because it's like, the flowers don't really need to be watered, they never really shrivel up and die in New Horizons, no. so... I don't need to worry about that, but what I do need to worry about is that sometimes I play my Switch late at night, and when I do, all the shops are closed, and then I can't do anything because I live it like a real Animal Crossing fan would by playing in real time and not time traveling. <laughs> That's so ironic given, like, your younger gameplay style. Like, have you thought about yeah. that? Like, you're living it day by day. When I think, like, maybe your high school self couldn't have standed that. I don't know. I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> I think that's fascinating. No, for sure, for sure. That definitely wouldn't have been how my high school self would have gelled. But uh, I, I like it. I think it's a peaceful way to experience the game. Plus, uh, playing it in short bursts makes it easier to come back and keep playing it. Yep. When you play it in long bursts, you can get tired of it really quickly. Animal Crossing is definitely a game that um, you have to play, like, a little bit of each day. To get, you know, really the most out of it. And I feel like you can burn yourself out on it real hard. Because, like, 
You know, it's weird. Everyone says that, like, New Horizons has so little to do compared to, like, New Leaf and before. And I'll agree that there were features that were missing, like, you know, the roost, and now we have gyroids and ordinances and stuff. Like, these were all things that were in New Leaf that are finally coming back for New Horizons. And I get that there were a lot of missing things from older games, but at the same time, I think a reason so many people got tired of New Horizons quicker than every other Animal Crossing is because they made it way more convenient and way easier to actually customize your island the way you want it to be. Yeah. That you you run out of stuff to do so quickly because it's easier to do. In New Leaf, you couldn't actually shape the island to look however you wanted. You couldn't actually... There were certain limitations even with New Leaf that New Horizons just does not have. I can create it exactly how I want it. I can make that island shaped however I want it to be now. And uh, you can spend a lot of time doing that, but I don't know. I can see that, yeah. So much to craft, so much to collect in that game, so many things you could do. And uh, I haven't experienced too much of the update. I'm not much of an interior decorator, so I haven't actually tried to buy the Happy Home extension, whatever that is. For me, it's great. I think it's a great way to um, have even more playtime in Animal Crossing. So, yeah, I'm down. I love it. Love, love, love it. Coolio. And uh, I could play it for free if I chose to buy the new Nintendo Switch online service that includes Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis games. But I didn't pay for that shit because I don't want it. <laughs> you mean you don't want to own another copy of Sonic 2 for the Sega Genesis? <laughs> It'll go right up with my Sega Ages Sonic 2 that's already on the Switch. Yeah. <laughs> that's weird. It's like, I just think the price is way too high for something like that, you know? Yeah. And it's And it's weird. This expansion pack online service, you can only get by the year. You can't get it by the month. You can't get one month and then just leave it alone for the rest of the year. No, no, no. You have to buy an entire year's worth, which is like $50, $60, way more if you're Canadian. Gosh. And that's absurd to me. Absurd. Yeah, like you figured it'd be like PS Plus because you can buy like one month, six months, or 12 month options, but it's not. You have to pay it by year. And if I'm going to be paying that high a price, you figured there'd be more to it than just uh, Animal Crossing DLC. You'd figure there'd also be like, hey, we're gonna let you have Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for free! Enjoy Xenoblade Chronicles 2, or something like that, you know? Yeah. I have so many awesome PlayStation games on my hard drive that I never would have played had they not been part of PlayStation Plus. Like, I got Yakuza Kiwami through PlayStation Plus. I got Control from Remedy, the team that made Alan Wake. That's on PlayStation Plus. Fucking Final Fantasy VII Remake came mm -hmm. to PlayStation Plus. That's a huge fucking game. That was the 2020 game of the year. People got Final Fantasy VII Remake for free in terms of you had to pay for the online service, so you did have to pay for it. But still, they got Seven Remake just for paying for a thing that they were always going to pay for anyway. That's incredible. Yeah, that's wild. And then that's not even going into Xbox Game Pass and all the friggin' content that offers oh, you. Good goodness. lord. Like, if I had an Xbox console of sorts, like, oh my gosh, Xbox Game Pass is such a great deal. You know, I still haven't bought my next generation console 
And I know I'm going to get a PS5. I know I have to because Final Fantasy 16 is going to be exclusive to it. Right. So I I know I'm going to get it, but man, I kind of want an Xbox Series X right now. Yeah. There there is so much awesome shit going on with Xbox and the fact that like I've heard PlayStation 5 controllers die really quickly, like even quicker than the PS4 controllers is like, ah, come on, Sony, come on, what are you doing? I gotta experience all these new games. I'm missing out. See? I wanna play Returnal. I'll play Ratchet and Clank. Oh, Ratchet and Clank Yeah, I wanna play Ratchet and Clank too. Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I also like money. I do too. <laughs> I guess there's been some controversy about the N64 emulation because uh, there's been a, a tweet going around from Stop Skeletons from Fighting, which is uh, it's a comparison of like the Wii version and the Wii U version and the Switch Online versions of Zelda Ocarina of Time and the Water Temple area where you fight Dark Link, Shadow Link. Oh, I is saw that. Yeah. Very clear mm-hmm. in the Switch version. There's no mm-hmm. fog. No. It's like so exposed in comparison to the original and there's it's missing an atmosphere that's supposed to be there. And uh yeah. I, I would say that emulation problems have been a thing since the Wii though. I feel like ever since the Wii things are never going to be as authentic as you'd want them to be. No. I know for a fact Star Fox 64 runs so much smoother and faster on the Wii than it does on the actual hardware. Cuz like there'd be these moments especially like the very end of Star Fox, where you blow up Andross's base and you leave Venom, and the transition from leaving Venom and then ending up in outer space. Yeah, yeah. On the N64, that was a slow, like, kind of jittery experience. And on the Wii, it's like instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I have muscle memory of playing that game so much as a kid that I know that was slower in the original version. It's sped up for this one. And, um,. When I played Ocarina of Time, because remember we did a, our first podcast together, I talked about playing Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask again. Right, right, I remember. And I played Ocarina on the Wii U, and the ending doesn't match up what it's supposed to be because the the frame rate is better and it moves smoother. Like, the music's at the same speed. The music's at the same tempo that it's usually at, but the gameplay is moving a little bit faster. It doesn't have that slowdown anymore. So there's like there's this moment where two characters are sitting in a field and they're excluded from the rest of the cheering people and they're kind of thinking bad about, you know, the people they've lost. I don't want to get into too much spoilers with Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about, though. But the music is supposed to, like, get swelled up because they see the sages, the special characters that you meet along the way, fly across the sky and they look up to the sky, and that's when the music kind of swells and goes, and then they show up on Death Mountain, and it's like, Wii U version screws up that scene completely because it takes forever to get to the happy part when the sages are already on Death Mountain. And I was watching that scene just being like, this music is going way too slow for what's happening right now. Yeah. I think the the actual N64 version kept in mind that, you know, the hardware could only handle so much and there was a slow animation to it. So they made the music fit that slow animation and it fits so much better on the authentic N64 version. Whereas when you're playing the Wii U version, everything is so sped up that it's just like it doesn't match 
with the key moments of what's happening in the cutscene, you know? Right. So, in case you were wondering, uh, Ocarina fans, <laughs> that's how the ending of Ocarina on Wii U feels. It's not like it is on the authentic Nintendo 64 version, because it's a little sped up. It's a little sped up. I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're my favorite nerd, so. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and one of my nerdy interests happens to be an old Super Nintendo game that not a lot of people have heard of, not a lot of people have played, but in my opinion, it was one of Enix's best games back then, and that was ActRaiser. So... ActRaiser on the Super Nintendo was one of my favorite games growing up. I loved it. I kept replaying it over and over again. It's part platformer, part town simulator thing where you play this little angel and you shoot demons and you try to build the civilization. Because, like, in ActRaiser, you are God. You play <gasps> God. I'm God? <laughs> can I destroy the billionaires? You can, you can strike them down with lightning if you really want to. <gasps> awesome. <laughs> you could go to all the billionaires' homes and sh just blow up their homes with lightning. It's awesome. Learn humility. <laughs> but um, the 2D combat was fantastic. The music by Yusho, Ko Yusho Koshiro is amazing. And it was just a fantastic game. It was followed up by ActRaiser 2 for the Super Nintendo, which took out the simulation element and was balls hard. It was so much harder than the original that some people. Either love it because of that, or hate it because it's nothing like the original. It's slower, it's harder, it's, um... I still like ActRaiser 2, for the record, but it's not as good as ActRaiser 1, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. So imagine my surprise when, in a direct, they announce a new ActRaiser game. <gasps> they announced ActRaiser Renaissance for the Switch and the PS4 and all the consoles, and it was released the day of its announcement. It was released the day that it was revealed to the public, and I bought it day one <laughs> because I'm such a huge ActRaiser mark, mm. and I wanted to play the new ActRaiser so bad. And how was it? Well, I like 30% of it. Oh, gosh. Like, <laughs> like, you're hyping it up, and then you're like, I like 30% of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I wanted to talk about ActRaiser, because, like, here's the thing. As I was doing the Let's Play for Steambot Chronicles, there was part of me that really wanted to make a video on ActRaiser Renaissance, but then I figured, like, I would have to take time away from the Let's Play, and after the Let's Play, I want to do Final Fantasy XIV, and I want to follow it up with 15, because I know Final Fantasy fans have been waiting a long time for this marathon to finish. So I just didn't have time to record or write a script or do anything for ActRaiser Renaissance. But I would have made a video on that, just because I have such a passionate love of the original. And the remake is, is kind of enjoyable. It's enjoyable for a good chunk of it. But I think they really dropped the ball on the town simulation stuff. I think the simulation building got way over padded, and it's way longer, and it's way more annoying than it needs to be. And they've added tower defense elements, which were not part of the original game, that I really don't like. Especially because of how much resource management goes into it. That's not really why I play ActRaiser. Not as a real-time strategy game. Uh, 
the town building stuff in the Super Nintendo version was not real-time strategy. That wasn't like managing a whole bunch of units. That was just fighting off dragons and monsters while you were planning out routes and doing like natural disasters and stuff in order to shape the land and whatnot. It was a very different experience. And I went back to the original Super Nintendo game after playing Renaissance, and it was like night and day just how much better the Super Nintendo sections were because of how much faster the demons come out. The combat's way more exciting because you are plagued with demons who, who try to like grab the people and like steal them away and take away your, your support. Because you need people to believe in you in order to have power. The more belief you have, the more power you will gain. And then you'll have stronger health and stuff for the actual platforming levels, which is fantastic. But if the demons are killing your people, uh-uh, that's bad. Yes. <laughs> so you're trying to defend all the people from the monsters and stuff, and it was just, it's faster. It goes by in like 20, 30 minutes when you know what you're doing. So it's not a lawn, lawn thing. Um, but Axe Razor Renaissance, unfortunately, they pad it out. They add way more story. They add like all these extra unique characters which weren't in the original and hey, they all have their arcs and they all have their own storylines, which, you know, I don't fault them for that. If they want to have some new characters, cool, whatever. I just think they've made the town sections go from what was a 20 to 30 minute experience to like a two or three hour experience. I feel like that's a thing with like modern gaming, which can be either good or bad, depending on how it's executed, really, because like. You know, you're bringing an old game to, like, newer consoles and you're introducing it to a newer generation. And you have to find some sort of way to take, like, this really, like, I guess, bite-sized Super Nintendo game and just kind of inflate it. And it sounds like what they were trying to do, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what they were trying to do is to, like, just inflate it as much as possible but those inflations were like unnecessary and kind of derived from the old formula that made the original great yeah you know it doesn't feel like the most expensive game to make it definitely does feel like a budget title in comparison to the rest of square enix's stuff i won't lie that the platforming elements are not the prettiest they are pretty rough like 3d models and they do look not the greatest in comparison to some other beat-em-ups that have been out there you know streets of rage 4 this is not oh. but <laughs> it's not a pretty it's not a particularly pretty game but uh i just feel like the game would be far more appreciated if you know, they just had the same pacing of the original. If you spent like 20 to 30 minutes in these town sections and then you go immediately into another platforming area, it wouldn't feel so drawn out and it wouldn't make you feel bored playing it because the, I actually really like the 2D platforming levels. I think they're really fun and they're absolutely what I remember Act Razor being while being kind of different from the original. Like, mm -hmm. It's the same plot, it's the same locations, it's the same bosses, like, it's also the same music. And you can listen to the old soundtrack from Super Nintendo, or you can listen to all the new remixes that were personally done by Yuzo Koshiro himself, so that's incredible. Like, the music sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, the 2D sections are really fun because they're different levels compared to the original. Like, the level design is entirely different. It is not exactly one-to-one -one a remake of the Super Nintendo game. The level will feel different if you've played that original game, and the combat is different, where now 
as the master, you can do like jumping ground pounds that have invulnerability frames, and you can do like all these different combos, and you can spam more magic spells than you ever could in the original game. And the combat is actually legitimately fun, and I would recommend bumping up the difficulty to hard mode when you start this game up because hard mode is the way to play Act Razor Renaissance. I think it's a little too easy on normal, but on hard, it's just right. That's what the authentic Super Nintendo experience was like. I don't know if I can trust that from you. Is this because of my Mario Maker stages? Yes! Why you read my mind? You read my mind! <laughs> 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 I don't know. Whenever you say, oh, this is fine, I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> well, the good news, Caro, is that there is an easy, a normal, and a hard that you can choose to switch to whenever you want during the game. Oh, that's wonderful. You're not locked to, into any difficulty. If you think it's too hard, you can just immediately transition to normal and or easy, and then it's easier. So there you go. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved the boss fights and I loved the actual platforming and I thought when you beat the game and you actually unlock like a, a ranking mode I was having a lot of fun trying to get the top ranks in all of the levels doing that and did you? I mean I tried but it's <laughs> fucking hard <laughs> I got really really close I beat every level on hard mode for sure and I, there's a trophy on my PlayStation 4 account that proves it I beat every level on hard mode there you go that's the part of the game I really love and I wish if they focused on a a better paced simulation part this game would have been great and I would recommend it absolutely it would be amazing especially if they had the old professional mode from the original game which was act razor from beginning to the end without the simulation mode because yeah you could input a code in the original act razor to just play the side scrolling levels and that's what speedrunners do sometimes they just play the side scrollers from level to level to level to level and that's fantastic but they don't give you that option in this new act razor and so you play these two hour long simulation moments with just tower defense after tower defense after tower defense and the levels themselves, like the 2D platformer levels, are still three to four minutes long. Mm -hmm. So it's like they have the, the pacing of the original Super Nintendo games in the 2D levels, in the platformer levels, but not in the town sections. So that's why I say 30% of the game is great, because that is what feels like 30% of the game is the actual platforming and the actual combat. It's like most of the time you're just navigating tower defense and watching these little people build these houses. And it's so much slower than the Super Nintendo game. Like even just waiting for the time, the timer to reset so that the characters will start flooding out to build the homes. It's so much slower than it oh, is in the Super Nintendo version. Yeah. And I'd find I just sit there waiting for things to happen. That's what makes it padded is like sometimes I'd just be sitting there with my angel just being like, Okay, can I speed this up? Can we get going? Build a house? Come on, do something. Uh, come on, do something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't imagine. So, I would definitely recommend the original Act Razor on Super Nintendo. I love that game to death. It still holds up. I've replayed it after playing Renaissance. I love it. It's not like... I don't know where you would play it, though. Because I don't think... It's definitely not on um, Switch Online with the Super Nintendo Virtual Console. Yeah. And that's the problem, really, is like, 
unless you track down an emulated version, you're not going to find Act Razor because it's not on Wii U. It's not on Wii. It was on Wii, but the Wii Virtual Console is gone. Well, I'll just break into your house and play it. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> Part of me wishes you could unlock the original Act Razor in the game itself, because then it would be definitely worth it. But yeah. Uh, I hope in Act Razor Renaissance 2, if they ever make another one, I hope they take this criticism to heart and just really either shorten the town simulation stuff to what it was in the Super Nintendo version, like that kind of length, or just scrap it entirely, because I think the 2D platforming combat is so damn fun and so damn good. As an Act Razor fan, it tickles my fancy, but, uh... Yeah, kind of a disappointing game. I wanted to love it. I really did, but I just think that's too padded. It just drags out way too long. Oh. Well, at least you have the original to play. That'll always stay in your heart. Your little gamer heart. For sure, for sure. So, Kara, what have you been playing? Yes. So, um, aside from Animal Crossing and Final Fantasy XIV... <laughs> which takes up a lot of my backlog as it does. Um, I actually picked up Pokemon lately. So I picked up Shining Pearl. And, like, I love Gen 4 a lot, actually. So Gen 4 was technically my last childhood Pokemon game um, before um, Gen 5, because Gen 5 came out when I was in high school. But Gen 4 is just really nice. Um, I love the Pokemon in it. I ha actually had my favorite Pokemon team ever in that game, which I'm trying to recreate um, in um, Shining Pearl right now. Now, I haven't beaten the game, but I've been playing it, and so far, I think it's great. Like, it's Pokemon. Like, nothing more, nothing less, but I like the general nostalgia of just going back to it and playing um, through Sinnoh again. Again, it's one of my favorite childhood things. I don't believe you've played Gen 4, though, Clement, right? No, I have not. Uh, I dropped off of Pokemon at Gen 3. I got halfway through Ruby, and I got tired of it, and then I just didn't play Pokemon ever again until X and Y, oh. which was a long, long time. I didn't play Black and White, Black and White 2. Uh, I might have played a few of the spinoffs, like Coliseum for the GameCube, but I didn't play any mainline handheld titles for a long time. Well, I definitely recommend going back to Coliseum and Gale of Darkness if you can. Like, I have those two GameCube games and I love them. Okay. And um, definitely Gen 5. Gen 5 probably has, like, my favorite story in the entire, like, series. That's what I hear all the time. I'm kind of 50-50 on the Pokemon designs because I either love them or hate them. But, oh my god, the story in Gen 5 is just so awesome. Which is interesting, because, like, every time I've ever come back to Pokemon, like, I play X and Y, and it's just the plot I've always known. Get the eight badges, become the Pokemon champion. Oh, that's the plot. Hooray. <laughs> but, you know, like, because I see people, like, complain online, and not to get into, like, Pokemon discourse, because it's already tiring as it is, but I see a lot of people online who are like, well, Pokemon is just so, like formulate this and that and this and i'm like okay i get it maybe they could like change some things up a bit but i feel i feel like since pokemon it's existed for such a long time it's a really big children's franchise i feel like some of these people have grown out of pokemon and just don't want to admit that they've grown out of pokemon and it's fine if you've grown out of it it's totally fine like you grow out of things yeah for me personally 
I find the formula of Pokemon very relaxing. So, like, I love playing intense games like 14 because, like, you're leveling a class, you're going to a dungeon, it gets super intense. Like, I was doing, I don't want to spoil anything, but I was doing a duty earlier today, which was like, oof, so intense. <laughs> but sometimes, <laughs> like, sometimes I just want to play a game to just relax with, and Pokemon is that. It's very relaxing formula, it's super familiar. Um, I can just level up my Pokemon naturally. I can, like, pick cute ones to join my party. And, you know, I enjoy Pokemon for that. Absolutely. And, like, I, I, I have complained about the story with X and Y, but, like, yeah. that was Gen 1 and 2. And I loved Gen 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying Gen 1 and 2 had, like, the greatest storylines ever, but I don't care because I loved those games growing up as a kid. Like, the music and collecting all the Pokemon and just, like, I played through... Uh, Pokemon Yellow over and over and over again. Like, I love that game. Don't yeah. get me wrong. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I just grew out of Pokemon with Ruby and Sapphire, and I still enjoy it, you know? I still like the designs of the Pokemon. I still like the music, and there's a lot of neat stuff. And I, I played Sword and Shield. I actually bought Sword and Shield, and I didn't hate it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Personally, I... I saw people complain about the chibi design. Honestly, I like it. I think it's very cute. I, I think love it's the cute chibi too. Designs. It reminds me a lot of um, Mega Man Powered Up. Like, I haven't played that game. I want to, but like the chibi designs in that game are adorable as heck. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing here with um, Shining Pearl. Like, I think the game looks great. The music, oh my gosh. Like, you want to understand it because like, you haven't played it, but oh my god, the music is amazing. Like, they literally took the soundtrack and upgraded it, and some of the tracks are like, ah, my childhood. <laughs> so great. <laughs> yeah. I started with Pip-Pop. He's the penguin Pokemon. If you don't know him, comment. I might know him from a picture. If I saw him, I'd probably go, oh, I know that thing. I've seen that before. So I started with Pip-Pop. Who else do I have in my party right now? Um... I have a patchy Risu. Wait, you don't know these Pokemon. <laughs> Why am I <laughs> I'll list them off for the audience. I have. You might patchy- as well just be talking gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> I have a patchy Risu, a Baneri, a Bidu, a um. Bidu so- or Bidoof? Bidu. Bidu plant- is different from Bidoof. Yes, Bidu is Jesus. different from Bidoof. Bidu is the um grass Pokemon before Rosalia. So Rosalia got a baby form in Gen 4. That's Badoo, who I named okay. Adam I named him Adam Cole. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Because <laughs> he's going to grow up into a strong Roserade. <laughs> but anyway, so um, I have Staravia and I have Drifloon. So yes, audience. Those are my Pokemon so far. I want to get Lucaria later, though. But um, there's some pretty cool stuff in Gen 4. So, like, they upgraded the contests. And I love the contest minigame a lot. So um, there's that. And then you can, like, slather honey on trees. And that can make Pokemon appear. And, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I'm sorry. I just thought it was amusing to think of you just, like, with a big brush of honey. Just, like, just, like, coating a tree in honey. Yeah, so basically, like, um, in the second or third town you visit, you can um, buy jars of honey from the sky. And what you do is if you're traveling the world and you see, like, a brown tree, like an autumn-like tree, you can slather the bark with honey 
and then I think you have to wait like a few hours or so I forget exactly how long but if you come back to it and if you see the tree shaking you can press a and then a pokemon will appear that's how you actually get munchlax okay because I've gotten a munchlax before from slathering honey on the trees it's the same it's it's the same story from like diamond and pearl you fight team galactic basically chase them off again I think I think it's relaxing I, I I've always found like rpg quote-unquote grinding to be relaxing in general but pokemon's just so familiar to me that i enjoy picking up the games because it's something familiar for me to play is this like sword and shield where you have the experience share automatically built in and so your your pokemon are all leveling up at the exact same time yep it's exactly like that and i don't mind actually it makes the game go by quicker so you're not... I was going to say, I, I don't get the hate. I, I'm I really absolutely fine with that. I really don't either. Like, I love Pokemon. I love RPGs in general, but, like, one of the most annoying things is, like, grinding for levels, which, while I did say that I found them relaxing, sometimes it takes forever to XP certain Pokemon. Okay, like, some of my favorite Pokemon, like, my Gen 2 party had a Dragonite, and oh my gosh, it took forever ever to yeah. xp my dratini into dragonair and then to evolve it into dragonite like when you get to level 55 and evolve dra- it into dragonite it's so worth it but my god the xp is ugh and like you have to do this for every single pokemon like i forget when they started doing the xp was it gen 6 they started doing the XP for everyone? Uh, maybe. I just know that that's what was just automatic and, like, guaranteed you couldn't take it off with Sword and Shield. Okay. Because, like, I think starting around with one of the newer generations, it's like that. And I'm like, I'm for it. Like, that's just me. I don't get the, um, the only reason I could get the hate behind it is because I guess, like, people want Pokemon games to be harder, but I don't know, y'all. It's Pokemon. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to put it in any other way other than, like, it's Pokemon. I agree with that. I agree with that. There are reason Nuzlocke challenges exist. Like, you can make your own Nuzlocke challenge. You can put challenges on yourself. Like, you don't have to play Pokemon the way the game wants you to play Pokemon, I guess. Or maybe, like, you've outgrown Pokemon and want to go to something else. The best thing about the Switch is that it is literally an RPG machine. There are so many RPGs. Like, if if you're tired of Pokemon and you just want to move on to something else, there are a ton of other RPGs you can play. Like, SMT5 is out. Like, that's a challenging RPG. And a lot (laughs) of people- That's a game where you collect critters like Pokemon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's Monster Hunter Stories 2, which is on Switch. Like, that's very familiar. You collect critters like Pokemon. Good calls. Good calls. Yeah. Mm Yeah, so, like, if you're not into Pokemon anymore, that's totally fine. Like, you're not obligated to buy the games. There's so many other games that you can play on Switch that I think can, that, that I think can satisfy you more if Pokemon's not really your thing anymore. And that's just my, that's my opinion. That's how I'm seeing it. But I'm actually happy you brought that up because I do think that kids need an entry rpg they do need a gateway rpg that gets them into these this genre because some rpgs are hard as balls out of the gate you know oh yeah like final fantasy 7 remake does have an easy mode you can play an easy mode but if you start that game from default normal even the scorpion tank can kick your ass if you're not prepared for it Mm -hmm. you know which is kind of shocking compared to the original final fantasy 7 just how brutal it can get early on and even a game like xenoblade chronicles 
can pull no punches and just like alienate anyone who's trying to get into this genre. I think Octopath Traveler is way harder than Final Fantasy VI and and Final Fantasy IV. Mm -hmm. And I think about one of the reasons I didn't like Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood, one of the reasons I thought it failed massively was because Sonic is a game that's meant for everyone. It's meant for younger audiences. And for whatever reason, they made that game so obnoxiously hard at the start where your characters are constantly missing the SWAT bots and you have to use all your abilities to the fullest extent you can, but you also have to do these stupid stylus minigames in order to make sure that they do their things effectively. And like that is not gateway RPG. That is not entry-level RPG because that shit could get too complicated for a first-time kid who's like six or seven years old and like, what's happening? Why am I dying and getting game overs all the time? I don't like this. Whereas if you start with Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy VI, Pokemon, let's say, you know, you can get a good while into the game just mashing attack until some harder bosses come up and then you try different tactics and then you start getting into it and then, oh my god, it's finally clicking, I'm finally understanding it. And, yeah, I don't think Pokemon should have to be a challenging thing. I don't think Pokemon should have to be the most intense thing ever. It is still made predominantly for children. It is still made to please children. And I think that that's what Pokemon is. Some games are gateway RPGs, and Pokemon is always going to be a gateway RPG. So Yep. It was certainly my first RPG ever. Like, I was into Pokemon forever, like, until maybe after Gen 5. Yeah. But I didn't find myself, like, starting with X and Y. Like, I didn't find myself excited by Pokemon anymore. And I was like, okay, maybe let's look for other RPGs to play. Maybe it's that time, like, you know, I'm older. You know, I... I'm at least old enough to, like, strategize more in games. Let's see what else I can play. And I'm like, oh, everyone's everyone raves about Final Fantasy VII. Let's try Final Fantasy VII. And that's how I got into Final Fantasy. So, you know, like, it's great for introducing players to, like, very basic mechanics of RPG gameplay. Because for Pokemon, all you really need is to memorize the match types, and you're pretty much good to go, honestly. But, um, again, it's a children's franchise. That doesn't mean that, like, I don't want this to mean that, like, children <laughs> deserve, like, horrible games. Because children deserve, children deserve really good quality games. Absolutely. But I For think sure. that Pokemon's aging fan base is trying to compete against the goals of, like, what Game Freak's trying to do. Yeah. And whether Game Freak's doing a good job or not is up to debate the fan bases. I don't want to get into it. But the point I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that I think Pokemon fans expect way too much. Like, there are some valid criticisms. Yes. Agreed. But I think they expect way, way, way too much out of whoever's making these games. You know, that's the yeah. point I'm trying to make. It just feels so silly to go in defense mode over such a children's game, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I always feel like some people view Pokemon with this lens that, like, it has to be better and children deserve better, not really thinking that, like, children will absolutely be fine with Sword and Shield. Like, yeah. you think children deserve better, but children are happy playing Sword and Shield. Yes. So you're just, <laughs> so you're lecturing people about what they deserve to have and what they, de- and that they deserve better, but they enjoy it just fine. 
Yes. It's, this, it's me... you who feels miserable because you see something like Xenoblade Chronicles or Final Fantasy VII Remake or whatever, and you go, that's what all RPGs should be. And it's like, well, no, not every RPG can be like that. I'm sorry. You know, if you think those games look amazing, then go focus on those games. Go Thank talk more you. about Xenoblade. Go talk more about whatever RPG you think is hardcore and awesome and the best thing ever. But sometimes children like cute chibi models. They like cutesy chibi 3D caricatures, and they don't want the hyper-realistic anime with big boobs, big jiggly oh, bits. I'm sorry, but that's what Xenoblade 2 is. Let's be real. I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, people forget that, like, Gen 1 and Gen 2 are basic. They are. They're very like basic. A ver like, it's, those games mean a lot to me. But at the end of the day, like, they're still very basic Game Boy games. Absolutely. And, but I just think complaining a lot about it online and then buying the game anyway, like, <laughs> is very counterintuitive to what you think. And I'm still really looking forward to playing Pokemon Legends, quite frankly. Same. I think that looks same. really cool. Mm -hmm. I think that looks really different and new for Pokemon. And I do think they're doing interesting stuff. Like... We talked about Pokemon Snap in a previous C-squared, and I love Pokemon Snap. Mm -hmm. I want another new Pokemon Snap, you know? They, they do a lot of cool shit with Pokemon every now and then. Pokemon Tournament was fun. Oh, a lot yeah, of people I love, love Pokemon. Pokemon. Mm -hmm. I still like Pokemon. It's enjoyable. I don't get mad at okay. me. All we're trying to say is that it's okay if you like Pokemon, but it's also okay if you don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Diamond and Pearl. Sounds good. Sounds fun. But if we want to talk about a Nintendo franchise that's had something of a resurgence that's really awesome right now, oh my god. I mean, I'm not going to get too deep into this because I know you want to play it and there's a lot of stuff I could spoil about it, but Metroid Dread came out and it is now my favorite Metroid game ever. It's the, my, the bestest Metroid I've ever played in my whole entire life. And the... The owner of that title previously was Metroid Zero Mission for the Game Boy Advance, but I like this game even more than Zero Mission. Metroid Dread is amazing. Holy shit. I can't imagine. Like, I've heard so many great reviews on it, and I really want to play it. It's just like, it, it nails the atmosphere of what Metroid should feel like. Samus has never been more badass, more confident, more just efficient like she is in this game she's so awesome uh the environments are creepy and spooky the bosses oh my god the best boss fights in the whole entire series and they're definitely challenging you're gonna die a lot don't get me wrong you're gonna die a lot but it is so fucking fun learning the patterns of these bosses and just getting better and better at your muscle memory to the point where like now you can start doing these bosses in your sleep like it's nobody's business because you just practiced it and practiced it. It's a delicate balancing act that is really hard to achieve in video games, but Metroid Dread just manages to thread the needle in that department. It's just so intuitive. The abilities you have are so... Uh, the control. It, this is the best control a 2D Metroid has ever had. Like, being able to, like, manually aim at things by holding the L button and just shooting in any direction you want adds so much when you're, sh you're surrounded by all these critters who are flying over you and straight ahead of you. And 
I love that Samus has a counter move like in Samus Returns. So anytime a monster tries to do this crazy big lunge at you, you can counter it and blow it open in one fell swoop. And it feels so satisfying every time. Oh, that's awesome. That is it's awesome. amazing. Um, it's still pretty light in story, but, you know, that's typical of Metroid. It's never been the most deep in terms of plot. But I really like where they go with the plot at the end of this, because there's some amazing developments that have me questioning so much about what's going on with the Metroid canon and what's going on with Samus herself. And uh, I can't wait for you to find, to see some of the crazy shit that happens in the ending. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm actually going to borrow it for my roommate pretty soon. So I'm excited to get to Metroid Dread. Yeah. Uh... And from what I've been discovering of the speedrunner variety, I'm not of that breed. I'm not good at speedrunning this game, but... <laughs> People are finding all kinds of fun ways to sequence break this thing. They've actually invented, like, unique cutscenes for bosses if you get to them with a power-up that you're not supposed to have by that point. Oh, really? Wow, that's actually really cool. Yeah, the one thing I saw on Twitter was, like, there is a very quick way you can defeat one boss if you have some bombs when you don't have bombs. And... When I saw that cutscene on Twitter, I was like, that's freaking amazing. Wow. They knew people were going to sequence break and completely play the game in a completely different order. And they accounted for that and actually gave players a treat for experimenting. And that's... Whew, like that, these guys know what they're doing. Like, holy shit, that's incredible. <laughs> that's so cool. I also like the way this game progresses because I'm not usually a big Metroidvania guy. Like, I like some of them. I like most of them. But there are times where they're kind of annoying to navigate. Uh, I like half of Symphony of the Night, Castlevania, but mm. I don't like the inverted castle. And I don't like how much you have to go from this place to this place and doing this and doing that. And I would say Metroid Dread has a little bit of a linear fashion to it where... You don't backtrack too much, and if you do, it's because you know of this very obvious thing that you can do now, that the game is pointing you in the right direction. It never spoils all the puzzles for you. It never straight up tells you how to solve every situation. But there's always a nudge. There's always a push in the right direction, giving you a clear idea of what you should be doing. And uh, that kind of intuitive game design, I think, should be applauded. Like, that's really well done that they can just manipulate their players into thinking about what they should be doing next just based on their next power up and what they had to do with that power up in the very room that they got it 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 opens up a world of possibilities in your head and makes you go oh i know what i can do with this now <laughs> um i'm not even that big of a metroid fan but like you know, I'm not in love love with Super Metroid like some people are. I, I don't like Metroid 1 or 2 on the NES or Game Boy. I like Zero Mission, I like Fusion, and I, for the most part, I enjoy Super Metroid if I don't love it, you know? Uh-huh. But if every game was like Metroid Dread, I would love this series. This is like my favorite Metroid by far. I love everything about it from its from its design to its bosses to its... It's just so freaking enjoyable, and I can't wait to replay it again. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait. 
It could very well be my 2021 game of the year, which is Ooh. shocking to me. I mean, it's a pretty viable, like, um, option, I suppose. I can't think of, like, any other game that came out this year. Admittedly, I haven't played a lot of new games. Yeah, <laughs> this is same, true. Same. It's mostly because, like, I don't have a PS5. But um, my game of the year isn't even a game that came out this year, so. And I, what game would that be? Um, you take a guess. Final Fantasy XIV. Yes. Okay. Will most likely be my game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I just overall enjoyed Metroid Dread. And even the parts, like the title says, Dread. You know, even when the parts where you get to the Emmy machines, the hunter robots that are trying to kill Samus and get her DNA. Um, I actually thought those were really thrilling because most of the time they're not stealth sections. You can make them stealth sections if you want to. You can hide in corners and turn on your stealth camouflage and try and make them robots, you know, slowly walk by you. But another way you can play this game, which I find more exciting, is to just fucking book it. Just run. <laughs> Let the machines chase you and just make it a thrilling chase. That's what makes those segments so damn fun for me as well. And, uh... Yeah, it's just good. It's just good. Good control, good boss fights, good everything. Metroid Dread, game of the year, so far. Get it. If you if you want Metroid to do well, you should get it. <laughs> yes, I concur. Please get this game. I haven't played it yet, but from like what everyone's been saying, I'm pretty sure it's like a fantastic title. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a great time with it when I get to it. So yeah, I'm excited. And I think uh, some people might be surprised because they think they have the misconception that I don't like Metroid, but that's not the case. I don't like Metroid Prime. I don't <gasps> like the Metroid Prime trilogy. Yes. I am the outlier on that one. That's yes. my hot take. Yes. But, uh, but the 2D Metroids I've always enjoyed. I've always enjoyed the 2D Metroids just fine. It's just, I don't like the Prime games. Yes. And Dread is a 2D Metroid. 2D is king. 2D is awesome. This is the best it's ever controlled. Get Metroid Dread. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the bottom line cause Clement said so if you smell what the clam is cooking <laughs> sorry for just constant gushing I don't really have too many criticisms of dread like um okay the teleporters could be better but that's about it no cause we have to be negative all the time on this podcast I don't like Metroid Dread Pokemon sucks. Sonic <laughs> isn't where it should be. La, 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 the race well, see, Kara, I'm not a real critic if all I do is praise, because then I'm just a shill. Yeah. Then I'm just being bought out by the corporation. I'm sucking Nintendo's dick, don't you understand? <laughs> <laughs> Even though I just said I would not pay for the Nintendo Switch Online service because it's overpriced and I don't want it, but... I think you're just covering your tracks there. Oh. Oh, it's a smokescreen. Okay. <laughs> Look, I didn't get paid by Mr. Nintendo, okay? Doug Bowser and I are not on speaking terms. I I don't even know who Doug Bowser is, okay? So, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to mention Dread, because, uh, you know. It's probably going to be another two months till we do another podcast, and I might forget about it by then, so. Yeah get it all in now and i guess the last thing we want to talk about k 
Caro for this podcast is something that we said we were going to talk about in the last podcast mm-hmm. because it was being revealed the day after our podcast. Mm-hmm. Or no, sorry, the day of. It mm-hmm. was the day of. Yes. Uh, Toby Fox released Delta Rune Chapter 2, the long anticipated follow up episode to Delta Rune Chapter 1, which is the sequel to the 2015 cult classic Undertale which uh, I don't think needs any introduction, but I'm still going to talk about it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I figured we would talk a little bit about Undertale just to get our general impressions out of the way of what we thought of that game. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a good lead into Deltarune. So for me, Undertale is actually one of my favorite games of all time. It's one of my favorite RPGs. I absolutely love this game so much i think there's so many creative themes and details and a lot of love and heart went into undertale and really when it came out in 2015 it was so shocking because like um it was doing a lot of creative things with the rpg formula specifically that um hadn't been really been thought about um in games before well i mean like undertale was inspired by like other games before that but like especially with characterization and how you relate to like the world building that um undertale developed like it was just unlike anything i had personally played before i played undertale maybe about a month or two after it came out because like my one of my friends was like oh my gosh you gotta check out undertale i'm like okay so i played it and it was just absolutely incredible i love undertale so much and it means a lot to me it's just so it's so good the music is amazing. Like Undertale's oh, yeah. soundtrack, like I see this a lot, but Undertale's soundtrack is still a soundtrack I listen to years later. Like if I'm if I'm brainstorming for like Wrestle In or writing, like I will still have the soundtrack playing like as I'm brainstorming or writing. Like that's how good it is. The fact that I'm still listening to the soundtrack years later, like over half a decade later, it should tell you like how high quality Toby Fox's um composing is. And that is still being carried on even to this day because, yep. like, Deltarune Chapter 2 also has some banger music mm-hmm. that yes. I listened to that Cyber City location for, like, hours and hours when that episode came out. Yep. Like, good lord, I love the music in Deltarune. But, um, yeah, when I first entered uh, Undertale, I went in a little cautiously just because the internet has a way of, like, overblowing things out of proportion and making things a meme and, like... I didn't know what the big deal was with Undertale. I just knew that everyone on the internet was gushing about it. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was posting, like, screenshots and and clips and stuff of the game. Even, like, adult, cynical gamers that I follow on Twitter that I wouldn't expect to like Undertale, even they are like, Jesus, Undertale's amazing. And I'm like, if those cynical fucks are enjoying Undertale... Something's about this game. So I, I, I buckled and I actually bought it on PC and I'm not much of a PC gamer. So that should tell you, you know, if I'm buying a PC game, that means it's really piqued my interest. And uh, yeah, Undertale is amazing. I think it's an incredible game. I think that if it was released in the Super Nintendo era, it would oh, be a classic wow. that we would still be talking yeah. about to this day. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it's up there with the Final Fantasy sixes and the Chrono Triggers and all that. And especially Earthbound, which it inspired, which it was inspired by. Um, it is just so good with its character stuff. And the thing I really love about it is the meta nature of its design where yep. 
it knows it's a video game and it knows that you are a person playing that video game and it tries to fuck with you constantly by doing that like okay i guess one point of contention you might have is that like initially you can lock yourself out of the best ending of the game really early because to get the best ending you can't kill anything can't kill a single enemy in the whole entire game but we have this preconceived knowledge of what rpgs are and what we do in rpgs is we kill monsters we get experience we get we level up and we get stronger that's what happens in all rpgs i don't care if it's a dragon quest the final fantasy that's what you do and in undertale they kind of twisted on its edge where yeah, you can get experience, and you do get stronger from killing monsters, but the thing is, these monsters are all individual characters. They are all real people in this underground civilization with families and, you know, this whole life and this ecosystem, and when you're killing them, you're actually killing people. Yep. <laughs> you know? And so, like, you can find yourself accidentally killing Goat Mom, Toriel, one of the kindest sweetest women you meet early on in the game because you don't know of a way to peacefully end that situation and you might accidentally think that like well if i just get her health down a little bit maybe she'll let me buy and i can negotiate with her but 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 toby <laughs> does this amazing thing where like you get to like two-thirds health and the health bar just goes down yep. instantly. You just instantly kill her. It's like, oh no! You would just hap which happened to me the first time I played. I was like, oh my god, no! I didn't need to! <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's how this game fucks with you. But like, it's amazing though that they're just taking this narrative and then turning it onto you, which makes you feel so involved in this game that you have to stay invested. Like, that's what got me hooked on Undertale. Yeah. The thing I also like about that particular moment especially, I didn't do this personally because I thought that was meant to happen. I didn't know about the pacifist ending. I went in completely blind. I didn't know what this game was about, so I killed Toriel by accident, and I just kept playing the game. And uh, the antagonist of the game, Flowey, shows up to mock you yep. <laughs> for, for killing her and just being an asshole. And the thing is, if you want, you can reset without having saved you can reset the game and try again and actually save toriel this time because you can save her from the get-go if you know what you're doing and flowey will call you out on it if yeah, you do that which is what happened with me and so then like i resetted it and then flowey comes up and he's like oh you f you were gonna redo that and i'm like what how did this game know <laughs> how did this game know <laughs> like, i love that shit i mm -hmm. love that shit because Toby has a really interesting way of, like, knowing what players are going to do and just kind of twisting it on its edge. Yep. Tw twisting it on a upside down. There's this one moment in Undertale that, like, completely caught me off guard where, like, you read a sign and it says, like, beware of dog marriage. Right. And I'm like, what? But, like, I scrolled through the text so quickly and I read it in my head and I pushed the, the button to get past the text and I'm like, I register it in my head. Like, I'm literally registering in my head being like, wait, 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 what did that say? <laughs> I click on the sign again, and instead of saying what it just said, beware of dog marriage, it says, yes, you read that correctly. <laughs> 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 Which I've never had a game peer into my sense of humor like that. That was like one of the greatest jokes I've ever seen in any video game. I still remember it to this day because I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, I was saying it was a criticism that, like, you know, if you kill something by accident, that means you're locked out of the good ending. But the thing is, Undertale is a game that's meant to be played more than once. And I feel like absolutely you yep. should play it a second time because you're in for a very different experience when you do that second time. Because characters will start saying things and remembering things from your first playthrough that they wouldn't be talking about if this was still your first playthrough. There are lots of, like, nods and details that they play into joke upon jokes. Like, they'll bring up, like, butterscotch and cinnamon pies for a second time in a different context in the second oh, yeah. playthrough that they just won't. Flowey will bring up shit that you've done before in the first playthrough, in the second playthrough, in a completely different way. And it's a very meta game like that. And, like... Even if you do have to play it multiple times, like, if you really sit down in, like, your living room or your bedroom or whatever and really play through Undertale, like, you can finish it in, like, an afternoon or day. Oh, for it's sure. It's, like, a five or six hour game. It's not too long. Um, Like, there's a lot of replayability value. And, yeah, you are right. Like, I really, I really love Toby Fox's sense of humor. I think it's just so unique. It's very quirky. I like quirky things. So. It's it's awesome. And it's also like this really bizarre rabbit hole as well. Like the characters are so well defined that like you will comb over every little inch of flavor text, everything you can examine just to see if you can get just a little bit more of the breadcrumbs that is the bigger picture of this story, you know? Because, like, for the most part, it's a straightforward tale, you know? It's a straightforward tale about monsters who are trapped underground by humans. They just want to get out and they keep killing all these human souls in order to get out and yours is the last one they need and you know you can fight them off and kill them all or you can just try and be friends with them even though they all want to kill you and they don't really hate your guts they just need your soul you know <laughs> it's a straightforward story but the characters are so well defined and they all have relationships and needs and wants for each other and it's just a fascinating rabbit hole to go down to that, like, if you only do a pacifist playthrough or a regular playthrough, it's still an enjoyable experience, but then you do a genocide playthrough. <laughs> and there are even more facets yep. about the story where you realize that there's kind of a meta commentary going on with the character Chara and Flowey and Azriel's relationship and the relationship with you and, and towards the game. And what is with Sans? Why does Sans feel so weird? Yep. Like he knows things he's not supposed to. And why did he go back into the underground? <laughs> well, I'm saying too much. I don't want to spoil the ending. Yeah. But, <laughs> and like he just, he acts in such a peculiar way that he seems like just goofy comic relief at first. Mm -hmm. But there is so much more to Sans when you get deep down into it, and it's like, what the fuck? It's it's so awesome. It really is. Like, I know, like, Undertale gets a bad rap because of, like, fandoms and stuff, but honestly, like, fandoms are fandoms online. Yeah. And, like, it's... Don't let that detract you from the fact that I think, like, it's Undertale is an amazing piece of, like, gaming. It's a, it's very interactive. It's so wonderful. Um, It's just, again, unlike anything I've ever played before. And I still love it years later. It's, it's incredible. And uh, it deserves every single praise it gets. It deserves all of it. 
For sure, for sure. It, it kind of goes hand in hand with the Pokemon discussion, really, because like, yeah, it's like all I would hear from 2015 and 2016 was just people kind of frustrated that like, why is this game so popular? Oh, this whole thing is cringe. Everyone who likes Undertale is cringe. And yeah, there's going to be some weirdos who like Undertale who might take it a little too far. I won't deny that. But sometimes you just got to take the actual thing that we're talking about and distance itself, separate it from the fandom, separate it from the atmosphere surrounding it, and just look at it as it is. Look at it as it is by itself. Is it an enjoyable story? Is it fun to play? Does it have a great soundtrack? If all of those things check off on your list, then yeah, it's a good game. Yeah, like, Undertale's just done so much for, like, storytelling in general. Like, kind of off track, but it's still related to something that we we talked earlier in C-Squared. Like, one of the reasons I love Kenny Omega so much is because he takes a lot of his storytelling inspiration from Undertale. I think he's he's really good friends with Toby Fox. Like, he commissioned him to make, like, um a video for him a few years ago. But, like, what he'll do in his stories on, like, AEW and New Japan or being the elite, their online show, is that he'll take, like little details and little hints and storytelling and he'll just keep building on it and it's definitely very undertale influenced if you're someone who likes to track clues and stuff like i'm a sucker for that kind of stuff which is another reason why i like undertale so that's also very enjoyable which is another reason i love delta rune mm-hmm. uh because this is the new subject here like in, I don't know which one was, 2018, 2019? When did the first episode come out? It was 2018. 2018, mm-hmm. goddamn. Because, like, again, Toby's a very eccentric personality online. He releases this survey that we're all going <laughs> to play. And all of a sudden, it's a free episode of this new game that is the sequel to Undertale, you know? Yeah. Uh, Deltarune which is an anagram for Undertale, same exact letters and everything. It's, it's Undertale, but rearranged, you see. And that's important to remember, thinking about Deltarune's plot, is that it is Undertale, but rearranged, mixed and matched, all different. It's, it's Undertale as you know it, but it's not quite as you know it, you know? It has it has a very familiar cast like um the previous game so like they're still like the NPCs are still the same like you still see like Alfie's and Undyne and those characters are back but um the main cast of people that are in your party and who you play as are like different from the original game. You focus on a character named Chris who is dealing with a bully named Susie and they find themselves transported to some weird, dark, alternate dimension where they become RPG superheroes who have to banish the darkness and save the world uh, with the power of love and lightness and, you know, all that jazz. But obviously there's a little bit of a twist going on because it has a bizarre sense of humor, and it seems to be trying uh, to tell a very unique kind of story that uh, I'm really enjoying unpiecing as we get through it, but... The one thing I've always loved about Undertale that Deltarune definitely carries over is the fantastic battle system, because instead of just being like a traditional RPG where you just select commands and then you do them, this is a game that has a kind of bullet hell-esque, like, dodging thing, where you play this little heart inside this box, and you're dodging all of these white pellets, white blades, white lasers, anything that's, like, white on screen, you're just trying to avoid it and not touch it. And it's not like bullet hell toho ikaruga bullshit or anything you know (laughs) but 
it is acceptable for like a casual audience of what that kind of game would be and it's really satisfying especially in Deltarune where they added this mechanic where you can get close to things yeah I love that mechanic mm -hmm. and when you dodge things by being very close to them it fills up your TP bar which gives you extra abilities and extra skills you can use in the boss fights um to do like you know heals and to do special like pacify techniques in order to end the battle quicker so sometimes you'll find yourself encouraged to get in the face of danger to go really close to the white attacks as much as possible because you know the payoff is going to be super sweet i also really like it from a sensory point of view because like every time you do get close to it you hear that click 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 sound and i just find that so satisfying oh yeah <laughs> i love when you fight like those laser type enemies who have these long beams of attacks because yeah. then you just hear like <laughs> It's just this big trail of as your heart's like right next to it. It's it's so satisfying to actually dodge all that stuff. Oh, mm -hmm. it's so good. Um, something they do different with Deltarune is that in Undertale, you were one person. But in Deltarune, you're controlling a party of people. You're playing as a trio who all have their own unique abilities and stuff. And if all of them die, you get a game over. But if one of them dies, you're fine. You just got to bring them back to life so that they can start doing all of their abilities and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's just interesting to plan ahead and to, like, convince yourself that, like, okay, Susie is going to placate this person, which will make them really happy, and then I can convince Ralsei to pacify them on the same turn so that in one turn I can make them happy, make them go away, and eliminate them from the battle in that exact turn, which only leaves one guy left, and then I'm absolutely fine. Right. So I think on a mechanical level, the gameplay is way more fun than Undertale because you're always thinking about these extra stratagems, these extra moments where, how do I do this to do this to do that so I can end this battle as quickly as possible or get more TP or, or whatever I'm trying to do? And yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. To, <laughs> well, the thing I also love about being in a party yeah. is that there are so many like fun animations because they're on screen. Like, in the original Undertale, you didn't get to see your character on screen. You were just a heart in a box, and the bad guy was in front of you. It was sort of like traditional Dragon Quest slash Earthbound, where the only thing you saw on screen was the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> but in Deltarune, it feels more like a Super Nintendo RPG, where you see the player characters on the left, and you see the enemies on the right, and they'll do, like, unique, fun animations, where, like, if you're in a dancing contest with three robots, let's say the characters will start dancing and you'll see their sprites doing i love when they make ralsei do the fucking charlie brown dance yes <laughs> it was so charming it is so adorable the sprite work is adorable i love at one point uh they all dress up in like nurses uniforms yeah. like doctors outfits in order to like cheer up one enemy yeah and like and there's just a lot of fun stuff what they they, they do with the character sprites that's just incredibly charming and um the game has super bosses so like if the game's not challenging enough for you there are some really tough customers that you're encouraged to go after for extra lore and whatnot mm -hmm. and uh yeah whether it's spampton i love spampton i he he's one he's my favorite character from the second chapter i love spampton yeah. so much or it is the jevil He's locked in his cage. Mm -hmm. I can do anything. <laughs> I can do anything. Chaos. Chaos. <laughs> so there's a lot of fun fights in the game. 
uh, not even just counting like all the fantastic music oh, and the ge- and the friggin' story. Like, oh my god, the music is still incredible. Toby Fox is such an ear for music; it's just like amazing. I know, and like you can clearly hear that he's inspired from like other games in his sound in his soundtracks too. Like, I get some. I always get some like retroy vibes from his music, and he's just he's again he's an incredible composer. Like I've been listening to like um the queen's theme a lot and um like some of the overworld songs and then spamton's music anything relating to spamton like i listen to a lot like the final battle with queen at the end of uh, episode two that sound font is straight up from mighty morphin power rangers (laughs) like the super nintendo mighty morphin power rangers game i I, it it made me light up because i knew exactly what game he was pulling that music from yeah I was like, that is such a Power Rangers ass fucking music track. Good lord. <laughs> um, I remember when I finished episode one, I just listened to Chaos King all the time. Yeah. I loved that boss theme so much. I would just listen to it nonstop. Good lord. And Rudebuster is probably my favorite battle theme in any RPG. And that's saying oh, a lot. Yeah. Because when I first heard Rudebuster, oh my gosh, I could not stop listening to it for like months. It is that, It was that good. It's still that good. You never get tired of battles, ever. Nope. <laughs> I was so glad that in episode two, the, ba- the battle theme was exactly the same. I was like, good, because that yep. battle theme needs to stay. Mm-hmm. On a mechanical level, it's fantastic. On a musical level, it's fantastic. And I really think it's interesting that Toby is playing more into the, um, the breadcrumbs mystery aspect of his storytelling. Like the... Yeah. Because he knows that people are going to be like dissecting the plot and going into every little detail to try and figure out what's going on, like they did with Undertale. Because, you know, there were a lot of mysteries and a lot of hidden, weird stuff in Undertale where people bring up this character, Gaster, that technically never is actually there in the game. Nope. He's never part of the main plot, he's never part of any major side quest or anything. But there are little hints that he drops about this Gaster fellow. Little weird anomalies, weird things that a few players have seen, but not every player has seen, you know what I mean? No. And it feels like they're kind of doing that again with Deltarune, not in terms of, like, hidden missable stuff, but in terms of, like, it's fun to pay attention to the details that change on certain playthroughs depending on how you play. Um... I think I think it's interesting in Deltarune, there's a big theme at the beginning of episode one that you have no power over anything you do. You have no control over how the story is going to go. Like, it's trying to be the opposite of Undertale, where, yeah. like, at the beginning of the game, you create your own character. Like, you're creating your own model, you're creating its name, you're creating its blood type and what its favorite foods and <laughs> all of these different details. Yeah. And then it's just like, Okay, and tsh, we're erasing it because you don't get to choose who you are in this world. Mm-hmm. You are Chris, and that's the story. And it's like, okay, that was an odd choice. What's that about? <laughs> and then you get to the moment where Susie like pins Chris against the lockers and says, like, like it doesn't matter because you're going to do what I say anyway. Yep. Very meta. There is no choice. You, nothing you do matters. You have, you're not going to make a difference. You know, that's the conceit of Deltarune, which I'm sure will be uh, turned on its head by the... I keep saying that phrase, but it's going to be turned (laughs) on its head by the end of the story, whenever that end is. And uh, there's already some major 
major differences going on uh, with episode two that was kind of interesting because Deltarune added this, like, not genocide? It's like a very, like, dark, very dark take on, like, um, some of the characters in chapter two. So if you want to go through that route, that option is open for you. And that opens even more possibilities and themes and discussions because some of that is very dark and very well done. And it just makes you think about it for hours after you played it. And again, I like it on a meta level because you are in a party this time around. You are in a group effort kind of thing. And you can't make these lovable characters like Ralsei and Susie be evil. So what do you do to bypass that exactly? Yeah. You know? Um, so that's kind of interesting. And I really want to see where that goes. It's just like there's such a haunting feel to Deltarune that I think is like even darker than Undertale. And like if I don't want to spoil anything, but if anything with chap- the ending of chapter two is to go by, it's just like how are they even going to like, you know, what's going to happen in chapter three? There are so many ways and there's so many theories that I have that they could, like, you know, take on and it just keeps me invested. Like, part of the reason why I like and can kind of understand why Toby wants to release um, Deltarune in, like, chapters is because there's also, like, there's also a sense of mystery to it. Like, you get, you're getting the story of this game in bite-sized pieces and there's so much content and so many details in these stories and games that you're going to be talking about for months. And you're going to be theorizing about for a long time. So that by the time chapter 3 and 4 come out, because I believe he said that those two chapters were releasing together. But by the time those chapters come out, then you're so excited and invested again. And it's just such a great way to like keep your player base like at the edge of their seat until the next section of Deltarune comes out. So I really commend Toby for that because not a lot of game developers can sustain that relationship with their player base. That's hard to do, but Toby nails it. Yeah. One thing I've been doing with Deltarune more than any other RPG is, like, I take screenshots of certain sentences, and not just, like, sentences that characters say, but, like, flavor text that you might read, just, like, points of view from the character of what they think of the thing that they're looking at, you know? Because there's always been some amazing flavor text in Undertale. I think yeah. the best one is the mirror in Undertale, mm-hmm. where despite everything, it's still you. Yeah. Which, that's not what it says in a genocide route. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Which is really fun. It's like, I like how you can play the game differently, and the flavor text will be different, and certain things will change, even though they say nothing's going to change, wink, wink. Things are changing based on your actions. You are making a difference in the world. It's just, it's it's a slow buildup. And I think because of the episodic nature, they kind of have to do that. Otherwise, otherwise you have two different episode threes that could potentially happen. So I'm sure it's going to slowly, slowly change as it goes on. But yeah, we have, we have theories that like, well, maybe there are multiple endings in Deltarune. I don't know. Like it could. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Like it's wild. It's, it's incredible. Like. Oh my gosh, I just want this whole game now. And I know we're not going to get, like, chapter 3 and 4 until, like, I don't know. I'm I'm going to bet on 2023. It's hard to say. Um, I definitely would love it to come out sooner than it is, but I know. Things are hard to make. I just finished making a fucking lawn-ass 14 video, and I know how long that can be, so... And that's, that's nothing compared to game design, so... 
And even beyond just the mystery aspect, like the cookie crumbs and stuff, I just think like the characters are so damn endearing. Like I love uh, Lancer and I love mm-hmm. Susie and I love Noel. I love Noel. Noel. God, I like I love Noel. I like Birdly too. Birdly was the surprise hit of that episode. Oh my god! Yeah, Birdly's so funny. I just thought of him as just like this weird, quirky NPC in episode one, just like this one weird student at the desk. But then they flesh him out so much more in episode two, and he is such a character. I know. Just he makes these well-defined, really fantastic characters that make you care about them and or hate them, and uh, it's something special. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. The other thing I like about Deltarune is, like, the horror elements are actually really effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even Undertale had these moments that just, like, shook me in a way that, like, no other video game has. Like, again, because it's a meta thing going on with Undertale, there were moments in that game where he would just shut the game off on purpose. Oh, like, yeah. Like, something uh-huh. would happen, and mm-hmm. then the game would shut off, and then, and just being in that super quiet with the laptop being the only light in the room and having just had this crazy moment happen and then the game just shuts off that gave me so many goosebumps it was crazy (laughs) yeah and like toby knows how to program that it's like it's awesome i love it (laughs) so good so good so uh i loved episode two i loved that same location i loved the cyber city uh, I, I love that dance with the robots. Mm-hmm. Just that little sprite work and that music was so friggin' charming. Um, it's I love Undertale and I love Deltarune and I'm eagerly anticipating episode three. I, I know. Mean, I was so nervous going into Deltarune chapter two. I was like, okay, chapter one knocked it out of the park. What if chapter two doesn't live up to that? And I'm, And then by the end of it, I'm like, how did Toby knock it out of the park again, but made it even better? Because, <laughs> wow. That whole team does great work. Yeah. Like, wow. I'm, like, blown away. These games just bring out, like, a a retro feel to me, like, from the old Super Nintendo days that I just don't feel with games all that much anymore. And so they're they're scratching an itch that I don't see too often. And that's why I get really excited when I hear that, like, Deltarune Chapter 3 is coming out. Oh, shit! That's going to be amazing. <laughs> you know. Uh can't recommend it enough. Can't recommend it enough. I love Undertale, I love Deltarune and Chapter 2 was so much fun. And it was free. Like I know. He, like Toby was going to make it paid, but because of the pandemic and everything, um he just decided to make Chapter 2 free. I was shocked with like how much free content we got for that price cuz I happily would have paid for how much we got in Chapter 2. Yeah. But, you know, it's 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 great. It's free. It's awesome. Wow, my, my mind is blown. <laughs> I, that's all I can say because like I, I just, I, I'm just so fascinated by how chapter two is expanding on what we've seen in chapter one, and like if they keep going the way they're going, and if they keep consistently building and building and building upon the previous chapters and making everything like better this could be delta not delta this could be undertale honestly i'm already liking it more than undertale Mm -hmm. like i feel like when the whole thing's out i'm going to enjoy the collective experience more than undertale yeah that's how i feel too i think it's just got it's got stronger character stuff it's got a bigger mystery it's got a fantastic soundtrack and i think the combat's better quite frankly oh yeah 
So I, I'm loving it more than Undertale. It looks great too. Yeah. It looks better. So definitely check it out. It is free. Delta Rune Chapter 1 and 2 is free. And not just on PC. You can get it for free on PS4, on the Switch, on Xbox. <laughs> I think Xbox. I don't know about Xbox. But I know PS4 and Switch for yes. sure. Um, Delta Rune Chapters 1 and 2 are free. And uh, I love them to death. I can't gush enough about them. Same. Please go get it. Please. Though if you haven't played um, Undertale, I do recommend that you play Undertale first, just because you would get more of an appreciation of um, the characters in the world in Deltarune. It's, yeah, especially mm-hmm. because they're mixing and matching with things you know from that game. Yep. And I, I feel like that might feed into this. Like, I'm sure Deltarune will be great as a standalone adventure, but I think it is kind of a soft sequel to the first game as well. And I think they are playing with things about that, but but we'll have to see how the story turns out, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, check it out. Well, Carol, I think we've talked enough. We had a long, long, long discussion since our time off. Well, it, it made up for the two months that we were off. <laughs> but I'm exhausted and I'm ready to call it a night, so... Thank you for joining me once again to have this lovely discussion. Yes. Thank you for having me. I love doing C-squared. How long do you think we're going to be doing this? Till 2050? Till 2050. 2050. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're C-squared until 2050. You heard it here, folks. We're never going to stop doing this podcast until we're old and gray. (laughs) And it's going to happen. We're all going to get old and gray. Yes, you are. You're getting old and gray first, though. (laughs) How how dare you? I'm going to push you around in a wheelchair. Oh, God. What? Why do you think something bad's going to happen to my legs? I don't know. Maybe your legs will stop working one day. Oh, no. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I like my legs. I know, but maybe they could... You could be walking and then suddenly... Boop. (laughs) Boop. (laughs) Your kid's going to kick my shin and break it. Yeah. That's exactly (laughs) how it's going to (laughs) happen. But anywho, folks, it's been fun. Uh, I'm working on the 15 video. Uh, Caro, anything going on in your life? Um, if I'm not trying to order 30 balls of yarn from South Korea, which should be on their way sometime next week to make South it Korea? Yeah, I had to order specific yarn. It's milk cotton yarn, but I had to order it from, like, this Korean shop online. And it finally made it through customs, and it should be in my house, like, by next week. So I'm going to be using those to make a cardigan for myself because I've always wanted to design clothing. So that's what I'm going to be doing aside from 14 and writing. But again, if you're a wrestling fan and if you want to like check out our end of the year stuff because we have a lot of cool stuff going on on WrestleIn, you can follow us at WrestleIn or go to WrestleIn.com and check that out. Alrighty then. Sounds good. But anyway, folks, it has been fun. I am the Great Clement. And I am Caro. And we will see you next time. Bye. Drink water. Hydrate, please.